You are listening to I Can't, I Have Rehearsal, a community theater podcast. A backstage look at community theater from the point of view of the cast and crew. Hello, theater family! Welcome to another episode of I Can't, I Have Rehearsal, a community theater podcast. That introduction might sound a little differently because we are missing our co-host, Laura, today. She actually gave birth to her baby girl, Juniper. Yeah. So she is on a bit of a maternity leave right now, but we're going to plunge forward without her. You know, we miss her and we hope she comes back real soon. Maybe we'll have, have Juniper a, as a guest. Have a good trip on the mommy train for exactly. now. Exactly. But that voice you hear in the background there is none other than the notorious Amy Borish. <laughs> I'm notorious now. Oh, I think you are. <laughs> I don't know. So Amy is actually one of our veterans in the Brainerd Lakes area when it comes to community theater. She was actually around when Central Lakes College was known as Brainerd Community College. Exactly. And she's having to dance instruction with the local music general here. I am. Teaches a lot of different tap classes, jazz classes, all ages of people. You tried to teach me once or twice. I did. We're going to be going over we're gonna the go crossing over, over to things. Broadway before I leave tonight. We're going to go over a few things. Yep, I've been shouted out in our little video on the Facebook page that <laughs> if you don't get it, look at Travis. He knows what he's doing. So I'm fooling somebody. <laughs> I'm fooling Kate Davis all over the place because she's the one who said it. You're very it, so close. You're very close. But it's we getting can, there. We can, we can make it so that it feels more natural. If I'm killing it by April 26th, that's all I care about. I got your back. Sweet. So, Amy, why don't you give us a little bit about you as your in you know theater background? I started, I think it was 1984. Um, the BCC Theater was around quite a few years before that. I, it started in the late 70s, but um, I started, I was 12 when I started at BCC. I used to come to Brainerd for the summer, spend the summers with my grandmother, and I actually went with a friend of mine who was going to audition. I just... Tagged along for fun, and then um, when I got there, I called my grandma and said, "Ah, can I audition? And (laughs) she said, I don't care. And so I auditioned, and and I got a part, and my friend didn't, but I did. (laughs) Isn't that always how that happens? It was very awkward. She was very good about it, though. I mean, she was really cool about it. And so my first show at BCC, CLC, was Annie Get Your Gun. Okay. And I played Jessie. I loaded the gun for Annie. Okay. Which is a very important job. Yeah. So, yeah, I was one of the three kids, and I think I was 12, about 12 or 13, right around there, something like that. And then I uh, did that musical, and then after that I did a musical every single summer, and all the way through, I think the last show I did at CLC or BCC um, in kind of a streak was in 1991, I did I Do, I Do. But then I went on tour with a professional company out of the Twin Cities, the people that produced the Plymouth Playhouse, okay. um, Church Basement Ladies and all of those, and the the man that directs for Medora in South Dakota. So, okay. But yeah, that was my first introduction. And at that point, they were doing three shows a summer. They did one in June, July, August, and it went uh, straight play, musical straight play. So they, that's how they rotated their summers, and they brought their directors up from the Twin Cities. So okay. I started... Um, Actually, their whole, almost their whole production staff was from the Minneapolis, the Twin Cities area. Bob Dryden was the producer, but he hired um, the first, the early years. Steve Anderson was the name of the guy um, who directed, and um, he would come up and do the musicals. And then Bob May would do both of the plays on on the, on the bookends of the musical. And we had some fun people that did. Um, 
music and choreography and all of that sort of thing that they brought people up and mm. it was cool. It was it was a great learning experience because I got I got to have experience with actual professionals. I mean, these people worked at Theater in the Round and Chanhassen and Guthrie and places like that that sure. they came up and so it was really a, a great introduction to really, really professional theater. My phone is ringing. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Instead, you heard Stephanie's episode that the coffee <laughs> maker yeah, went off. Coffee the maker went off. I'm like, well, we're not fancy. We don't edit very much. I so. know. I was, <laughs> and if it weren't way over there, I would get it and silence it. But if it rings again, y'all are just going to have to suck it up and deal. Yeah, we're just going to deal with it. We're going to plow forward. Yeah. <laughs> so you start there, yeah. and you're also, you've directed tons of productions. Yeah, that didn't start until so much later. I think when I started, it was all just being on stage, just like and and I my focus when I started was mainly musicals. Like I said for from the time I was about 13 till I was about 17, junior in high school, all I ever did was summer theater because I I went to Crosby school. So okay. I could I you know, I couldn't do the stuff during the the school year. So, um I just did like I did and a year gone, and then the second year, my second summer was Fiddler on the Roof. My third summer was um, Annie, Little Orphan Annie. And then after that, that was, I was 17. Then um, the winter musical was Grease, and that was my junior year of high school, and I had a driver's license. So then myself and another gal from Crosby that I went to school with both went and auditioned, and we got both got in, and so then I did a winter musical, then I graduated the following year, and then I probably did seven shows a year. Who were you in Greece? <laughs> well, okay, so I was one of the pink ladies, but okay. I wasn't an... I, it was weird because, uh, like my daughter Libby, I was kind of a midget. Okay. And everybody that auditioned was normal-sized. You know, I was fun-sized. They were all normal-sized. Sure. <laughs> so I looked younger. So I didn't really fit any of those parts, but because I was strong enough vocally and strong enough in acting, um, and I'd done several shows at that point, so Bob May, the guy that was directing it, um, my mentor, um, knew that I, A, wanted to be in it desperately, and B, that I would be an asset to the cast, so he just created a new pink lady, and then he just took pieces of other people's lines and then just sort of gave me a few lines, and so... Cool! Yeah, so it worked out fine. So they called me Squirt, uh, which is <laughs> not actually in, even in the musical, but I was one of the pink ladies, so. That's hilarious. Yeah, I didn't care. I just wanted to be in the show. I was. That's even better than being one of, like, so the typical much. pink ladies. In yeah, Greece, it was so much know? fun. I had a great time with it. it was And it... On, it was the show where I met most of my really good theater friends now. I like I met uh, way back in the day I'm Eric Paulson I met in my very first show. So I knew him from way 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 back. He's my very first long-standing theater friend that I still have to this day and mm -hmm. he was Callahan in sure. our in our show. So I've known him for more than 30 years and then, um, and I think I probably met Lauren somewhere back then. Lauren was in Annie. She was Miss Hannigan. So I met okay. her way back when. She mentioned that in our Yep, and I don't her. remember if she was in Fiddler on the Roof, but I met Charlie Johnson in Fiddler on the Roof and Sue Johnson, and I met, you know, just a bunch of people. And But Grease was the one where we all kind of gelled, and we all became just this really tight group. Yeah. And I, I'm friends with 
90% of the people I did theater with back then. Mm -hmm. Like just, I, I just, I'm still have so many dear, dear, dear friends from back then. And they were all kind of older than me for the most part. So they were, it was a very interesting transi transition from mentors and adults who, you can't see that I did air quotes, <laughs> from adults who were kind of looking out for me to now we're, peers and friends and contemporaries and right. so it's been a really uh interesting thing and so the directing thing didn't happen until much later i did all that theater then in 91 i auditioned i went down to the twin cities and i auditioned for troop america okay and i got cast in their christmas tour and so i toured for i don't know a month like right around christmas time we came sure. home right before christmas did that and then it wasn't until I got done with that tour, I met my husband, and then I decided, you know, maybe touring isn't what I want to do. I, in fact, they called me to do Medora. They asked me if I would come out and do Medora, and I turned them down, which now I kind of regret because my husband would have waited for me. But, mm -hmm. you know, it was a new relationship at the time. I didn't know. I thought if yeah, I leave. Yeah, you never know. I thought if I leave, he might start dating somebody else. And so I turned him down, and, um, and then I kind of put theater aside for a couple of years while we got married and, you know, learned how to be husband and wife and all that. Moved to Georgia for a little bit. And then when we moved to South Dakota, I was like, I got to do something. Mm. I, there's nothing here but cows and and nothing. Just so I got I to gotta do something. <laughs> and so I got involved in theater and then I started directing. But I had taken theater classes at BCC under my mentor, um, Bob, who is, and I've worked with a lot of directors. He's by, he's far and away the best director I've ever worked with. He's won many, many, many awards in the Twin Cities and elsewhere for his directorial work. He's just brilliant. He knows how to break down a show. He knows how to, he knows how to block things so that, that things become funny that weren't and things mm. are serious that you didn't think were serious and he's just he's very he's got a, a really good um way of keeping his finger on the pulse of any show that he does and and he's also excellent at casting and excellent at bringing out the very best in people even when they're not very experienced so mm. i had taken his directing one and directing two classes and that is where i learned about directing, and so when I got involved in it in South Dakota, I was like, well, I'm gonna pull out my prompt book and see if mm -hmm. I can figure out how to do this, and I wasn't very good at it at first, but I'm getting better. I'm still no Bob May, but I'm getting better. I think you did a great job. Well, thanks. Our, <laughs> our show happened. It went off without... <laughs> it happened. It had a hitch or two, but we, we got through them. It was amazing in the end, as you they know, always are. I, here's the thing with me in directing, though. I think the reason that my shows, that one particular, two reasons that that one in particular felt a little like, ah! One, it was a giant cast. Anytime you get over about eight people, you, there's a lot of craziness. Right. Two, I don't like to waste time. So a typical director in this area tends to direct for eight, nine weeks. I don't. If we can't do it in six weeks, then we shouldn't be doing it. Right. And I just, um, and that that can get a little scary because, you know, it's a big show. It's a lot of choreography. It's a lot of people. Six weeks is, um, it's a lot. But I, I, that's what I grew up with was, you know, like I said, we do three shows a summer. You have six weeks. That's all you got. Exactly. So 
that's what I was used to doing. And I just thought, you know, if I can't do this in six weeks, plus I feel like I would rather open a show that's a little bit like, oh my God, are we going to get through this? Mm -hmm. Than open a show where you're like... pressure to it. Yeah, than opening a show where you feel like, oh my God, we've peaked and died. Give me an audience. Yeah, I mean, you know, there is, there's something to be said for that whole peaking too soon and then Mm -hmm. you get over that hump and there's no, there's no um, nervous energy. There's no adrenaline. There's no... I was feeling that with, and then there were none. When we were rehearsing for that, it was, we were getting towards the end process and we were doing it. I just felt like a lot and a lot and a lot. And then the universe, I really think, intervened, in my opinion. And (laughs) I mean, not in the greatest way. Like, I got sick. Carla got sick. Yeah, that's the worst. There was weather that we couldn't really make it. Like, but there were days where we were given, you know, Craig had no choice but to say, okay, well, we got to take the day off. You know, we can't do this. And... Thank God, because by the time we came back and actually started doing our dress rehearsals, we you were, were like we had revved down enough where we were actually yeah ready for opening night by the time we hit it. Yeah. So and it, you know I felt like as much as you all felt nervous, I was watching it, so I knew we were gonna be fine mm-hmm. on opening night. I you know I knew I knew that all of you weren't feeling quite so confident. I knew we were gonna be fine. I wasn't ever concerned that we weren't gonna. Maybe three weeks out, I was like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Here we go. We got it. People got to start knuckling down. Got to but get it, it and it wasn't a, for me though. It wasn't a oh geez we can't get this show together. For me it was okay. I have to get every freaking person here all at the same time, and that was what was hard because I could not get twenty six people to all. Everybody had a conflict for something at some point. Yeah. And so it was that was where it got dicey three weeks out for me. It was like okay I haven't seen this character. In four rehearsals. Are, mm-hmm. Do they still exist? Are they still doing the role? Where are they? And then all of a sudden they'd show up and I'd be like, okay, great. But now we're missing so-and-so and so-and-so. So yeah. that was the hard thing for that. It was never... Um, and scene changes were crazy, but I, I knew those would come together too. Yeah. Just, I think that's the thing I'm most nervous about too with having, you know, you, you drew the summer slot or they provided you the summer slot. I've been provided the summer slot with my show. Right. And it's, you know... <laughs> Summers are what people live for in this state. Yeah. You know, and anybody who's going to spend half their summer inside in the evenings rehearsing for a show, I mean, God bless you because we need you. Right. Um, you know, but also, like, there you have to tread that line of, okay, That's I need why to be I did a little more weeks. accommodating, but I need to also speed this up a tidbit, you know? Right. So, yeah. It's, it's time just management. Hard. You just gotta. That's why I just don't, like I said, six weeks for me is the magic mm-hmm. number. Because if I go too much longer than that, it gets stale and people get tired of being there. They get tired of, like, oh my God, when is this process gonna end? Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. And the last two weeks are really all tech and adding tech and adding costumes and changing sets and, you know, those things. Then it starts to be kind of new again, those two weeks out. Mm-hmm. But four weeks of actual rehearsal process, if you can get people to commit to that and be really um, conscientious about showing up and putting in the time then you should be golden. Mm-hmm. But you have to be a good time manage- manager too. That's my, you know, my my beef with with anybody that directs if they don't manage their time well, I'm going to have it's going to frustrate me. Oh yeah, there's nothing worse than being an actor in a show and you're just and sitting, sitting there, there forever. Yeah, it's the worst. You know, I learned very early on always 
like bring your script and then if you know all your lines bring a book because yeah. you could be sitting it's a lot of hurry up and wait hurry up and, and wait and it shouldn't sometimes. be it shouldn't be there should mm-hmm. you know that's it's you know until i knew who the directors were here it it's been it's been a long time it took a very long hiatus from theater in this area because i didn't know the people you know i left i moved away i was in another community and then i was at the helm i was running the community theater program in you know, in the town that I was in, in South Dakota, I was the community theater director and I sat on the board. And so it, when you're the boss, you know things are going to get done. You mm-hmm. you know how they're going to get done and when they're going to get done and, you know, that sort of thing. But then you come back to a community that that had all of these people and they're all gone. Right. And so, you know, I mean, not all. Dennis was still there, but he was not part of that really sure he came in much later and he he didn't exactly gel with the other people that had been working so that was a little that was odd I always got along with him fine but it was not that way it was that transition from Bob Dryden's theater program to Dennis's theater program was very rocky there was a lot of there you know there were a lot of moments that were not so great so you know like I said I got along with him but not everybody did. So then when I came back, it was just him. And then he, I worked with him a little bit. I did, I did choreography for him and, you know, that sort of thing. But I, at that point then, I was a mom of little kids. So I just, I was like, oh. Sure. I don't have time to do all of that right, right. now. You know? And then when my kids got older, then I was like, okay, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how they direct. I don't know, you know? And I've got a really finite amount of time. So... If they're not going to be, like, really on it, I don't want to actually even get involved until I know. So it took me a little while to, you know, to learn about all the directors. And, you know, I started by doing just choreography for them, just to kind of get a feel for how people directed. Because other than Lauren and Nancy Waller, if she'd have directed something, I wouldn't have had an issue because I knew her and Mm -hmm. I knew how she operated. But, yeah, it took me a while to kind of get my get back in the water so to speak well you mentioned that you did choreography so we should mention that amy is the dennis lamberson excellence in theater award winner oh, yeah. for best choreography in a musical for legally blonde <laughs> 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 <That's> something. <laughs> so like where where do you rank that? I mean, was that kind of a cool achievement you know for um, you and at least the, you know, for sylvia I, and libby to see too well look i don't want to sound Ingrate, ungrateful. It's not. I, I. I mean, it was a. It was a, a kind, wonderful acknowledgement, and and I, I. You know, I'm. I. It was very nice. It was nice. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a kind of an awards sort of girl, really. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I'm. I'm super competitive, about things that I really, really care about. Like I'm. I'm like really, really, competitive about certain things but it's it's kind of a weird people don't like to play board games with me because I don't care if I win or lose yeah <laughs> people don't people don't you know like I'm I'm competitive with like my kids I want to see them do well so when my girls compete and dance I I'm always like okay come on let's get it let's do this la la you know mm-hmm. I'm not like dance mom's crazy or anything that way but I'm like really I'm invested in that um I'm not super invested in Things for me, though. Um, if I audition for a role that I really want, 
and I see there might be com- competition, then I'm real competitive. Then I'm all sure. like, okay, this this is going to belong to me, and I'm going to make sure. Mm-hmm. Then I can get real competitive. Uh, but things like a, awards for me, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't want to sound ungrateful, because that's not, it's not it at all. It's, it's just, I, for me, doing it is its own reward. I, I'm, sure. I'm more, um, if I'm happy with my work, then I'm happy. And I, I, if somebody else thinks somebody else did a better job, I'm like, all right, whatever. Right. <laughs> I think what I did was good. I'm good with it. But you're proud of it. You can put it on I, a stage yeah, and say, do it over and over again. You yeah, know, I'm I don't, never going to not be proud of what's up there. I mean, if I, I, it was great to, to win it. It was nice. It was, it was a, it was a fun experience, but I, it wouldn't have been, um, you know, it's <laughs> would have been a heartbreaking loss. No, no, I didn't lose selected. sleep over the awards thing. I mm-hmm. didn't. I really, you know, till we got in the, the room, I I didn't really. I was really more concerned with like, does this dress make me look fat? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was more concerned about the top button not uh, being buttoned. Yeah, for I just, sure. it was not my, you know, and I didn't. I don't get like for those kinds of things. I don't really get. Um, I didn't like get butterflies before they announced it or when they announced the, it was, uh, I mean, I just, it was nice, but it wasn't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain my It was such kind of a, it was a different kind of evening, I think maybe because it was like the first time, you know, and it's, we were talking about this with some other guests. It's really nice that they have this almost like system of acknowledgement because it is really nice because when you're part of community theater, it's very much like. You know, the audiences come, and they tell you that it's all there, but then, like, you know, after you're done with the show, it all just Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I look back at that, uh, if I had, if I could go back and say, say, okay, your show's only going to win one award, what award do you want to win? I would have not, it would have been for for somebody else in my cast. It would have either been for Sylvie or you or for the cast in general, um... The least important award for me at that thing, the the one that I was the least invested in, was the one I won. I mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I just didn't care. I mean, it, it. I did the show. I got the the choreography done. I was proud of my day. I I meant what I said in my my little whatever acceptance speech. That's so stupid to say. <laughs> I meant what I said when I got up there and gave my little you know thank you to everybody. I, that to me that that really just was not about what I did. I mean, you know, I can I can teach a really hard routine or I can teach a really simple routine and it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you have to have willing participants who work at it. And a simple routine can look every bit as great and fantastic as a really, really hard routine. You know, so it, it um, you know, I was happy to get the award because I felt like, you know, that was, that it was nice but I don't feel like it was really my award. I, I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it. Because like I said, I could have given all those dance steps and you all could have just not ever practiced it and it wouldn't have... It wouldn't have happened, yeah. I mean, it just wouldn't have been a, you know... Well, I'm sure the gratifying thing is really like when you see... Because when we were getting into the end of the rehearsal process for that, I mean, Sylvia and I were like running rehearsals on like Saturdays Yeah, you Sundays guys were coming in because I was working. I because couldn't. it was like, okay, well, people want to work on stuff. And we were yeah. both like, well... We'll do it. Well, and you Nicole know. and Brianna and those girls were all coming in and working on the dances by themselves and, you know, working on the jump jump rope routine and all of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the significance of that award was, 
it, it was a pleasant experience, but I don't... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, not it's, ra- not, it's not ranked. It's not up in my top... 10 moments of my life let's put it that way and it's not again I don't want to sound ungrateful it's just I, things like that about I, I don't I don't care about the kudos I, look I, I, I meant also what I said when you know when people do what they do at awards and like oh I really thought you should have won blah 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 you know I mean people say those things because they feel like you're going to feel bad that you didn't mm. win which I didn't I feel like we won I feel like you know I didn't need a trophy or even a public acknowledgement. I know what we grossed. I know what our audiences thought of the show. Thought of the show. Yeah. I know that we were sold out. I know that that theater was full and we were adding seats. Uh, so we won, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. In the in the area that was important to me personally. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, having yeah. other theater people tell you that you did great and or, and or acknowledge it, that's lovely. And I that's I'm. I'm grateful and humbled by that, but I don't. I don't care enough about it to. Mm-hmm. to yeah. To be ben and I had the same kind of. Or the, other. the same kind of experience. We were both up for the same right. award too, you know. And we had a really, we had a talk about it. Like, you know, I'm going to be very happy for you, and you know, I'm sure it'll be vice versa. Yeah, I mean, you it's know? weird because you're all friends with all those people. So it's, that's the thing is like you're in a room with all of your friends, and you're yeah. nominated for the same stuff, and then. You know, and it's also, it's so hard to say, okay, you know, compare, you're comparing apples to oranges. You look at the three musicals that were there and the three of them could not be more different from each other. Plus when you span out things like that, when you judge things, um, there's always, there's always um, variables in, you know, I've learned this from dance competition, but there's always variables on how things are judged. So when you have three musicals in one, in the span of one year, it's very difficult. The it's very difficult for anybody judging that unless they judge everything all the way at the end to be able to to know kind of how to score. You don't know how to score when you're going into something. Sometimes you're way too tough, and then you see the, everybody else's body of work, and you go, "Oh, I was way too tough. I should have gone back." Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you're, sometimes you're way too like enthusiastic. Then you see everything and go, "Maybe I should be tougher. Maybe I should be more demanding." It, so there are variables to all of that. And like I said, in the end, all of those people I like, and I'm happy. You know, I, mm-hmm. it's they're all we're all friends. So I guess it's yeah. you know to me it was like, "Oh, well, that's good." Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, it was like like Rachel said, it was very fun to just like get dressed up. Go to a nice place. Yeah, have, have a good meal I could, and just I could do out. the whole banquet and sweats and be just as happy. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of the ladies would. Yeah. Mirror but, that sentiment. It's fun to get dressed up, but also like, let's do it in Nug boots next year. Yeah. You know, let's have a pajama party. I'm not a super dress up person. Either. <laughs> I know Sylvie was the same way. She's like, oh god, I gotta get dressed up. I gotta get all ready. And you know, and when stuff. you let, when you're in the dance world, getting dressed it's up is so literally different. the last thing you want to do. Because I know, like Rachel and Stephanie and Nicole, they were all just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, because the last time they probably right. did something like that was, you know, for yeah. prom. Or, we do it all the time. You know, yeah. We do it every weekend. So, <laughs> you know, it's like every weekend, fake lashes, rhinestones, the whole, you know. So for both Sylvia and I, we were like, oh, God. All right, here we go. Well, who knows? It'll evolve into a pajama party. Right sometime. there. That's, we'll throw then it I, out there. Then I can be on board for reals. <laughs> so are you ready for our first segment? Yeah. It's called Theater Family Questions. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. 
Bring Usually it. there's like two of us and it's more enthusiastic, but... Well, you were very enthusiastic. <laughs> I try. I try. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be professional. I'm getting goose hairs. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So, our first question that we have is, what is your favorite role that you have played so far, whether that be on the stage or behind the scenes? Oh, Lordy. I knew you were going to ask this because I just listened to the sta- this segment with <laughs> Stephanie and I was like, how am I going to answer these? Um. Okay, so... Uh, it's hard for me to quantify this because there were different shows that were fav- my favorite for different reasons. My favorite my favorite experience as a group was Grease mm-hmm. because of the friendships, because that was the cast that would not die. We had cast parties for months after yeah. that. Like Tim Lee Joel, that's where I met Tim. And I mean, we had months, months. It was like every weekend cast party. So <laughs> that was my favorite for that, but it was not my favorite role. My favorite role personally is a toss up. It would be either Agnes and Agnes of God or um, Annie Sullivan and the Miracle Worker. Those were two of my favorite roles because they were so challenging. Like they were so, and and neither of them were singing roles, which is ironic because I was known for being able to really sing well, but they were two of my very favorite roles because they were so challenging. I actually did sing in Agnes of God, but it was like hymns and, and. Wasn't like Broadway showstoppers. No, 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 no. It was these very um, kind of sad little acapella aria hymn type things and all in Latin and, you know, and I didn't actually even get, get cast in that role. That was kind of a default role for me. I auditioned, um, but I'm not exactly demure. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> And so when I auditioned, uh, I didn't get cast because I was just, I'm just a little too, I'm just, if you know the show, Agnes is a young, um, she's not a nun yet, but she's like a, I forget what they're called, but a a novice. She's a novice. And so she, um, and she's very, very shy and very, very quiet and very, very innocent. And she becomes pregnant and then the baby they find the baby dead. And so she is on trial for the murder of her child. And they bring a psychiatrist in to determine whether or not she is sane. And the mother superior is very protective of her because she is so fragile mentally and emotionally. So it's just three women. And I did not get cast. They cast, um, Bob cast somebody else and I was devastated. (laughs) (laughs) And he called me and then said, um, look, I didn't cast you and this is why and I know you're very capable of doing the role but you just don't fit it physically or vocally. Your speaking voice is not where in the range that I want it to be. It was not soft enough. It was not feminine enough. I'm I'm a little bit like a two-pack-a-day liter of whiskey kind of a voice, which, by the way, I don't do, but that's kind of my voice. <laughs> and... Um, but he said, but the lady I cast can't sing, so will you record all of the songs? Because you never see Agnes singing, it's all from off stage. So oh. he said, will you do all the singing and record it? And that was like, okay, insert knife and twist. I'm like, yes, I'll do it, because I'm a team player, but I wanted desperately to have the role. And then two weeks into the rehearsal, she quit. <laughs> so then he called me and said, well, guess what? <laughs> it was meant to be, so you get the role. So that one was a enormously challenging role it was brutal mentally and emotionally and and you felt awful by the time you were done you not only actually felt emotionally awful but you felt like 
boatloads of guilt because everybody in the audience walked out like somebody had like they were like gutted, you know. Right. So it was not it was not a feel good show. (laughs) Not a not the kind of show that where people walked out and were like, oh my god, that was so wonderful. It was the kind of show where you walked out and people just kind of gave you this like, you know, pasty white faced look like and they're all puffy red eyes and you know just yeah it was you didn't know what to they didn't know what to say to you and you didn't know what to say to them and some of them would come out crying and because she dies in the end it's you know spoiler alert um (laughs) but yeah so and i got to bleed from my hands and from my palms and it it was intense and then a lot of people from the like a lot of catholic people went because it is about this catholic nun and priests were there and i mean they all loved it but it was yeah it was gutting it was kind of brings it home Ooh, it was yeah. yeah it was a it was a heavy show so that one was wonderful because i it was a stretch for me and then doing miracle worker was i that was an amazing show and i worked with an amazing renee anderson's daughter lisa was like eight and she was helen keller and she was Brilliant, probably the most brilliant child actress I've ever seen. She's actually done some professional film work since then. Wow. Yeah, she's was like in Jurassic Park or something like that. But really, just like you know, not major parts, but you know, you could see her. She was in there. Yeah, she was in there. Hey, you were on the film. She was. She was. (laughs) She was an amazing child actress. So that was a that was a phenomenal role. Wow. My favorite singing role, I think, was. Either Little Shop or um, Nonsense. Those were my two favorite musicals that I did. Yeah, you talk about Nonsense a lot. Oh, that was a fun show. That was a good, yeah. That I was, always know that that was a fun one for yeah, you. Yeah, I loved that show. That was a great show. I love those ones that leave like the impression on your heart. It was you fun, know? too, to watch Sylvie decades later do it. You know, to, yeah. To go, that was my first experience and her first time on stage ever, was doing a show that I just was really close to my heart so that was really a fun experience very cool yeah 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 very, and little shop cool. was fun because it wasn't hard it was just a lot of music i just got to sing like mm-hmm. i was one of the three ladies so it was just we had like seven or eight costume changes dennis killed us that show killed <laughs> us yeah so what would you say is there a role that you know that you dream of playing that, or that maybe you didn't get the chance to play so that you two feel show, it's past? Well, or, roles that I would have loved to have played that I still definitely have passed would have been would have been L, but it was very fun to watch my daughter do it. So oh, sure. you know that was a really kind of a fun full circle moment because when that play came out, I was like, oh my god, I love this role, and I'm too old, <laughs> so <laughs> this will never be. Um, but right now, um, in a straight play, I would like to do. <laughs> Also, another heavy, super big crowd pleaser. Not so much. <laughs> um, Night Mother is a show I would love to do. Okay, not familiar. Uh, <laughs> it's super, super uplifting show about a woman who takes care of her mother, lives with her mother. She's an adult woman my age, takes care of her elderly mother, and decides that she's just done and she's going to kill herself. And so she basically gets everything in order and gets everything ready for her mom and then tells her mom, okay, I, I, you know, just very matter-of-factly, like, okay, I've got all this stuff taken care of. I need to talk to you. This is, this is this, this is this. And the mother's like, why are you telling me all this? And she just basically says, I'm killing myself tomorrow. And the whole show is about her mother desperately trying to talk her out of it not successful but she 
desperately tries to talk her out of it. Wow. Yeah, it's a two-woman show. Whew. It's, yeah, it's heavy, but it's a really good show. It's a really, really good show. And then the musical I would like to do is one that I'm hoping to co-direct in the next few years, and that's Mamma Mia. And I literally don't care what role. I would do any one of those three women. <laughs> They're all so fun. Any one of them. They're all so fun. My grandmother took me to see that show a couple summers ago at the Maine State Music Theater. Um, they kind of do, like how you were talking about before, they have a few shows mm-hmm. you know, each summer that they do. Um, they were actually one of the first, last summer, they were one of the first semi-professional theaters to actually... Uh, procure the rights for Newsies. Oh, yeah. So they were one of the first ones to I have a friend who's that. in that at Shanhassen right now. Oh, I can't wait to go see that. I'm yeah. make my way down there. He's he's a dancer, the dance teacher that I know. And Santa Fe is one of my audition songs I like to keep in my ah, back pocket. Ah, Rent. Yeah, that last note's a little bit of a bugger, but yeah. we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't... That's going to be a great show for the area, yeah. I think. Hopefully I mean, you know, it would be lovely that, to do. You know, I heard you guys talking about, like, Wicked and stuff like that. It would be lovely. Elphaba would be a wonderful role. I would love to do Elphaba. But, you know, those are... The, I think the reason we don't do those things here is you just have... You can't You can't half-ass that. You can't, no, you've got to be able you, to do it. And you have to have the vocalists to do that because those shows are all absolutely 100% dependent on super strong vocals. Huge numbers. You can't You can't fluff those vocals. Mm-hmm. You just can't. No. And, and we have a ton of talent in here in this area, but I don't think we have enough strong vocalists that could handle such demanding vocal parts. Well, they say the same thing about like, not, not in, like yeah, you not in all the right. Touch it if you can't do it right. Yeah, yeah. We just don't. It's not that we don't necessarily have enough strong vocalists. We don't have them in the demographics that we need them in. So mm-hmm. you know, you have eight roles that are super strong vocal roles for twenty somethings, and we have. Four twenty-somethings with super strong vocals, mm-hmm. and then we have four that are my age or what you know. You just don't. We don't have the right demographics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the all same, about the right show for the. It area. is. It's it's the same with hairspray. I'd love to do hairspray. Would love to, but we have to get a few more people of color in this area willing and able to do it. Because mm-hmm. you can't do that show without a strong, solid mix. Exactly. You just can't, and it. I mean, you could, I suppose you could do just one or two people, but it, that doesn't do it justice then. Yeah, it doesn't bring the message that mm-hmm. the show's you nope. know, created to bring nope. across. Nope, if you can't have a good good 50-50 mix, then you mm-hmm. should probably absolutely wait till you do. Yeah, and I don't think I'd want to be part of it if it wasn't going to bring home no, you I know, the core message of it. Absolutely. I know there's some people in the area that have like mixed feelings about it because it's like, okay, we get it. It's about you know equality, and it's like, yeah, but... In this day and age now, oh, it's so important. Like it's so important if you think about everything super that's going important. around. It's like we need a reminder. Yeah, no, that it's show super would be important. so powerful to have you know brought home in front of you. Yeah, again. and it's such a fun show too. I mean, the oh, music absolutely. is so much fun. But, but I digress. We can't do it. Not right. Not yet. We're not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. But don't I will be ready to assume the role of Edna Turnblad. You'd be a shoe in once it is done. You'd be a shoe in. So, do you have any embarrassing moments? <laughs> Over your years, is there one that stands out that just mortifies you? Here's the thing. I have never been embarrassed of one damn thing, probably, (laughs) in my whole life. I don't embarrass. I have funny stories of things that have happened, but even the things that I've done on stage that 
I probably should be embarrassed about, I'm so not embarrassed about it. So I don't really have an embarrassing moment because I'm just not wired that way. So what's like your funniest memory oh, of like maybe um, a mishap that happened and <laughs> you guys had to like, you know. I mean, I can tell you a bunch of different things like, uh, and some of them weren't even things that I was part of. Um, my When I toured, one of the funniest, the one time that I had the hardest time keeping a straight, keeping a straight face on stage, like I really, I was tearing up because I was choking back the laughter. Um, we did this thing called Mr. Pickwick's Cup of Christmas Cheer. And um, the, the premise of the story was basically just a kind of a recreation of A Christmas Carol. It was a bunch of people who had come to a holiday party and they started to tell the story and then they acted out. And so basically it was the Christmas Carol, but it wasn't. At any rate, um, during one of the scenes, we had to, um, a a co-cast member of mine, she now lives in New York and is actually a talent agent, but um, she had to get the Scrooge character into his night coat and hat, or his nightgown and hat. So she's, and she has to dress him on stage in front, in front of people. So she's getting him dressed and he's got, you know, the mutton chops and the big handlebar mustache. And, you know, I mean, he's got the whole facial hair thing, the whole look. Had the world's worst haircut for like three months (laughs) where he had to have it all the time. You know how that goes, Mr. Creepy Mustache. Yeah, been there. (sighs) Shave that. (laughs) Right. So she's getting him dressed and at one point, he had this like white, looked like a piece of fuzz in his mustache. It, it looked like, and so she was getting him dressed and she just, it was kind of on the side, not like under his nostril, but kind of on the side, right by where his the end of his mouth was, the corner of his mouth was. And she thought it was fuzz. So she reached out, she reached out and grabbed it and and went to throw it away. And we both realized simultaneously as she grabbed it and that it wouldn't come off. No. It was a booger. <laughs> oh <laughs> like my a gosh. Really big one. Oh no. <laughs> and she could not. She. she <laughs> I couldn't deal. I was dying. <laughs> I was dying. I mean, I sat on stage and she gave me a look and we, like, you know, that unspoken, like, Oh my god. What do we oh do? my god. What do we do? <laughs> she managed to like wipe it on something and then like a few seconds later we had to exit the stage but we couldn't exit for very long. It was like you exit, you drop something off, you come right back on. Yeah. We got off stage and in the time it took us to like deposit the prop, all she could say to me was, "Oh my god, it's a booger. Oh my god, it was a booger. Oh my god, it was a booger." <laughs> and I was I was cry laughing. I was laughing so hard and she was gagging and we were dying. So that, at, then we had to go right back on stage and I had to hold it together and she had to not vomit and, ooh, that was tough. That was hard. Oh Cause gosh. then you really feel, when you're being paid for your acting, then you feel like super responsible to make sure that you do not break mess character. anything. Yeah, yeah. So, ooh, and it was my first professional job. So then I didn't want him to be like, that girl can't, you know, she can't keep, she can't it, keep together. it together. Right. So, oh, that was one of the, the toughest things but we had the days of bcc were a lot of there were a lot of pranks that was 
prank central. The directors wanted to kill us all the time. Oh, but. yeah. The cast of it, and then there were none. Somebody asked. They were like, the last performance, you guys don't do pranks, do you? And I was like, no. Well, I, don't, I don't play that game. Yeah. I'm not about that. I mean, the last performance of Legally Blonde, you talk about that I moment. Yeah. Your daughter and I had one of those when that music yeah. didn't come back on. Yeah, yeah. She locked eyes with me and was like, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. Like, well, here we go. <laughs> and I remember getting off stage and like swearing, like <laughs> like just swearing I and then coming right back on. I promise you, you were not swearing nearly as much as my husband in the booth. <laughs> I thought he was going to have an aneurysm. I just kept saying, you need to calm down. It's fine. He's handling it. You need yeah. to calm down. He's it. Calm it's down. gonna be okay. I'm like he's singing. It's fine. He is handling it. Just get to the next cue. Just get to the next cue. Ooh, he was swearing like a sailor, and my husband does not swear. I swear. I swear a lot. Yeah. He, he does not swear. <laughs> I remember Stephanie told me after the show she came down and she was like on the headset with him. <laughs> she told the the soundboard operator she was like. Um, once Travis exits the stage, you're going to want to bring his mic down because he's going to go right back there, drop a couple explicit words, yeah. and then come right back yeah. on for the next scene. So they literally like brought my mic all the well, way down I'm, and then brought it up. I'm pretty sure that she had to keep her hand over her ear because I'm pretty sure the people sitting around her could hear my husband <laughs> through her headset because he was having a conniption fit. So yeah, we had lots of practical jokes, but I've never been embarrassed about anything. Mm. I, you know, I mean, we had people that, we've got, we had a couple of guys that hid bologna, sam there was bologna sandwiches in, in a show that we did and they hid, they'd have to make these bologna sandwiches every night and then instead of throwing them away, they would hide them all over the theater. We found bologna sandwiches for two or three years after that. Oh Tiny God. little bitty shriveled bologna sandwiches. Food in a show is the worst. When I was in Guys and Dolls, I was nicely. And one of the gags was he's always eating something. Yeah. So like the last show, they did the prank night thing. I had... Oh, I the nastiest packed, food? Oh my gosh. I packed a thing for myself at right. home because I knew they were going to mess with it. Right. And I forgot one piece. Ugh. And, like, I was supposed to have, like, a sandwich, and it was, like, a bologna sandwich, like you say. Right. The sandwich that was the prank sandwich that someone tried to give to me was shampoo and bubblegum. Oh, God. Like, chewed bubblegum. Ew. Oh. And they had put it in this. Yeah. It was vile. That's mean. But I forgot an apple, and I needed to have an apple, so I had to use the prank apple. And, like, what's wrong with it? Like, I had, like, wiped it off and whatever. I'm like, it's an apple. What could they do? They're not going to, like, put a razor blade right. in it. Like, you know, not going to hurt me. So I had later found out that one of my fellow cast members, who I'm still friends with to this day, not quite sure why, but I am, <laughs> right. um, had rubbed the apple on his genitals. Oh, gross. Before I ate it. So you're like, yay. So I'm just like, great, I have ball apple. That's awesome. <laughs> Very nice, yeah. Super great. Yeah, so mostly it's just been pranks. You yeah, know? well, we, <laughs> ever since then I'm like, no prank nights. We I also did, Grease, Grease was the show of, was there's a song in Grease called Mooning. Mm. I've seen every friend's ass or boobs. <laughs> and they've all seen mine, uh, for the record. Yeah, that was the show of literally we would be off, the guys would be on stage doing Grease Lightning and the women would be off stage pretending it was Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And there, I have video of a line of all the guys where we would walk, come, the girls would come around the corner for a fast costume change and there'd be all the guys in the cast lined up Nothing but butts. <laughs> yeah, that was 
quite the show. Ryan was that guy in Legally Blonde. Is he the mooner? <laughs> uh, well, he was like, he would always like come off stage and for costume changes, he didn't have like all these rushed ones. Right. So he would just like kind of take his shirt off <laughs> and then just like nonchalantly walk around. And I told him, I said, listen, I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I got no problem. I'm like, you got a good body? If you're going to walk around with your shirt off, I'm going to look at you. <laughs> That's right. And I said, but I want you to be aware that I am looking at you. <laughs> So the next time you do it, if you pass me, I've checked you out. I'm bringing popcorn tomorrow. So just, just keep that aware. And then he just kept doing it. And I was like, all right, we have an understanding. All right. <laughs> it's good. Well, half the audience saw Sylvia's butt on the first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the preview night. On the preview night. Because we didn't have the we didn't have enough of a wall for the set. So, yeah. So Lauren came off stage and said, oh, I could see everything. And I was like, oh, well. We probably should take care of that. So. Alrighty. <laughs> we got to take care of before opening night. Yes, so. we did. Yes, we did. There were no no, so no, no, no booty flashes on I, opening. I wish I could say I had something embarrassing happen to me, but I just don't embarrass very easily. So do you remember something that inspired you to really start in theater? I mean, was there, like, you said you went with your friend. I mean, was you it know, just kind of that? Or, like, what motivates um, you to keep going? What keeps it alive? What started me, I think, was, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't have a terrible childhood or home life, but I did. It, it wasn't. My parents were very young when they had me, sixteen and seventeen, and you know, my dad uh, was alcoholic. Um, and when I was really young, he wasn't. But by the time I was about twelve, he was well on his way to being that. And sure. it was an escape for me. It was a way for me to. Um, it was a way for me to to feel good about myself and and have other people feel good about it. You know, it was kind of, I think when I started, it was a little bit of a love substitute, you know, like applause and and recognition and people telling you how awesome you are mm -hmm. made you feel good. And so it kind of gave me a reason to keep on the straight and narrow because I could have easily gone the other route and just, you know, been the kid that partied and snuck out and sure. smoked and d did all those things that I saw being done but I I yeah it was something to keep me I knew I wanted I knew I didn't want to go that route I just I knew I didn't want to end up pregnant and I didn't want I saw how hard it was for my folks and I saw how much of a toll it took on my dad you know he wasn't a terrible guy but he he made some really terrible choices and it ended it ended up being really hard and he was you know I'm already older than he was when he passed away so you know it's just I think that's what started me in it um I started doing theater in like second grade but um you know I did like I was in Rumpelstiltskin in st second grade I was the princess and, mm -hmm. and then I in fourth grade I was the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland the musical and then and then my junior year of high school, I auditioned for Oklahoma, and they cast me as Lori. But then I had to choose between that and Greece, and I chose Greece because mm. I, it was professional versus high school theater. And so I went with what I knew was the better play. And yeah, that's kind of what kept me going. It was the thing to get me out of a home life situation that I wasn't always comfortable in. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom was working a ton. She just, she did everything she could to provide for the family. And, you know, when she wasn't home, I didn't really want to be home. And so that's kind of what kept me going. Once I, but you know, like anything with theater, you... You catch the bug. Yeah, so there's, that saying exists for a reason. Once you do it, you're, it, you, 
there's nothing like that. There's nothing like live theater. There's nothing like that feeling and the 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 connection between your audience and the connection between the other cast members. You know, I mean, when Sylvia auditioned for um, Nonsense, it was just sort of a like, ah. Uh, I should try this at least once, but she didn't really think she wanted to do anything with it. And I was really, you know, with dance, I had been trying for years to get a performance out of her because it didn't come naturally to her. Mm -hmm. She just really wasn't sure how to do that or what that was like. And I kept thinking, oh, why can't she be more like me? She's too much like her dad. And, mm -hmm. and then she just decided, well, I'll try it and went and auditioned for Nonsense. And I was... I was blown away when I watched her the first time. I, I like really didn't expect much. I mean, I just didn't. I didn't. I, I'd never really heard her sing. Mm -hmm. She does. She didn't sing in the shower. She doesn't sing in the car. She doesn't. So I knew I could sing. I'd been told for years that I had a wonderful voice. I sang professionally. I did weddings. I did. You know, I was in high demand, and and I never knew if my kid could sing, because she just didn't. Didn't do it. So when she kind of got involved in that I was like woo and then I was blown away and so it's theater once and now she can't get enough of it so mm -hmm. it's it is it's that once it gets in your blood it's there exactly and I just have to get my other child to cross over to the dark side yeah and she's gonna be the harder sell she will I think come around when she gets a little older and she's less interested in social well, stuff. we'll just get her one of those special ice she makers. She actually does, <laughs> She'll right? come running. She actually does want to do it. She does want to do it. She really wanted to do the high school production of Grease this year, but she, mm. it's impossible for her to do it with dance. It's right. just, it takes all of her time. Right. Well, that was, um, so. we had that problem in, you know, even the high school setting, you know, the yeah. one-act play and the dance season mm -hmm. at the same time, and those girls all wanted to be part of it. But she had to do it. you got to make the... You yep. gotta make the choice. But. Yeah, so, yeah, that's why I did it, and that's kind of what keeps me going. And what brought me back to it is I just I just missed it. Mm -hmm. I don't miss being on the stage. I, I, I thought I would, but it's an interesting transition to go from always needing to be on the stage, because I needed it for a really long time. It was like my drug of choice. I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't, you know, do any kind of drugs and never have, because I watched it growing up and I knew I wanted nothing to do with it. So that was my, that that I was totally addicted to, was yep. being on the stage. I was doing seven or eight shows a year, mm -hmm. like back to back to back to back to back to back. Um, and once I met my husband and kind of took a step back from it and all of that it was in that's I think when I discovered why I had done it all along sure because then I had I had the love and the, the the security and the you know the connection that I had always been wanting with my father and with my you know with my family that I didn't really you know have growing up um again not to try to throw my mom or anybody under the bus that's not what i mean it's just you know she was young and she worked a ton and he just you know he just he struggled and so once i had that though i didn't really need the i just didn't need the applause as much and now after being away from it um and then i got hooked on directing which i love i love to direct i really i really really enjoy it but i could get back on stage again for the right role. I'd love to see you get back on stage. I could get back I'd on love stage. to do a show with you. Well, I'm um, like I said, I'm hoping that we at some point here 
can maybe do that. Do that one, yeah. I would like to do it. Fingers crossed. Yeah, you might keep me in the area a little bit longer. <laughs> might keep I have me a, a guest room. Longer. You can always come back for a summer. Come back. Let's work remotely. We That's can right. do it. We can do it. I have a guest room. So Laura and I wrote this last question. Okay. That's a little weird. You've probably heard it. Um, so the smoothie, right? The smoothie oh, question. Oh lord. So like, just give me like, who would like who do you draw inspiration from? I mean, even as, like, from a directorial, you know, point of view or your acting style, singing, you know, what kind of people um, do you, did, did you look up to, do you look up to now? <laughs> it's funny. When I was growing up, I wanted to be, uh, vocally, my, my heroes were a mix of Barbara Streisand and Aretha Franklin. Oh, my God. God, if you could hybrid those, those two voices, right. holy moly! Like that would be one hell of a love child. Yes. Uh, those, you know, I loved, um, and and a little bit of Whitney, a little bit of Whitney. Oh sure. I want a lot of money singing Whitney's "I Will Always Love You." Did you? Yeah, I want a lot of money doing that. That's I my mom's. A, I want a lot of karaoke contests with that baby. You should come do Lantern Idol with me. My, <laughs> <laughs> Bust my it out. highest, my highest win for that one was seven hundred dollars. Grand prize is five hundred. Well, there you go. You should come out. And I do, and I do a mean R E S B E C T. Oh, which? Yeah, so, did you do that one at the guild? No. Which one did you? No, you did. I just did Pat Benatar, which is an easy, cheesy little oh, fluff still song. great, still great. That's just a little fluff, fun karaoke song that I don't have to think about. <laughs> um, so the, musically, I think I, you know, that was it was the the Barbara Whitney Aretha kind of a thing. Those were the people that I drew from. Those that was the kind of singing I wanted to do. Sure. Belting and all of that. I, the Barbara stuff I liked because it was um, because it was Broadway. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got what I got from her, and then the the Whitney was the pop end of it, and the Aretha was just the blues and the belt and the R and B and soul. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I always felt like I wish I would have been born black because I wanted to be able to <laughs> sing like that so badly. Um, so that was that uh, acting. Um. Acting, I kind of it was it was a mix of of Broadway people like Patti Lapone and and um, that sort of th- that and Meryl Streep for film and you know I I like I'm drawn to those kind of heavy roles mm-hmm. I like them I like to explore that I like to you know see if I can capture those nuances in in characters and in people. Um, I don't. It, I don't know who I would. I don't know. I've thought about that stupid smoothie question like a ton. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, shit. I, don't know, I know. I made it. I made it weird by making it a smoothie. Laura really wanted to make it like a classy question. I was like, why don't we call it like an acting smoothie? And she's yeah, like, I don't know. Okay. I don't. I don't know who people would. I, and I don't know who people would. I, to me, it would be more interesting to find out who other, what other people think, what other, what kind of smoothie people think I am. Well, when you started talking and you said vocally, and you started with that word, my first instinct was if this lady does not say Barbara Streisand, <laughs> I'm going to say something. I mean, those are the, yeah. I just and I, I'm I'm no Barbara Streisand and I'm no Aretha and I'm no Whitney. I'm not. You know, that's I. But those were the people that I. 
you know, like I, I was hypnotized one time in my whole life. At BCC, they brought in a hypnotist for the student body, <laughs> and they the hypnotist did this whole, being hypnotized is weird, by the way. It's, I did it at my grad blast. I remember strange. everything, and they tell you you're not going to remember everything. Yeah. And I, I remember doing it, and the whole time thinking, like, I can't be hypnotized. I know what I'm doing. And then I kept thinking, I'm an actor. That's why I'm doing this. And I have the exact same thing. But the weird thing was, is later in the day, you know, they tell you, oh, you're not going to remember this. And people are going to say things and you're not going to remember. And people would come up and be like, do you remember anything? And I'd be like, no. And I'd say it. And then I'd think, why did I say that? I totally remember everything. But then I saw a video of it and I was like, okay, I might have been hypnotized. It mm -hmm. was very weird. But the, one of the things that they said was, you are your idol. Go. And I sang Send in the Clowns in front of the whole student body. <laughs> I was Barbara. I was I sang Send in the Clowns. And so yeah, those are those are my I guess my people. Well I always say that because when I was looking at shows to direct, one of the shows that I really wanted to do that I kind of I kind of took off my list just because I didn't I didn't know if it would sell well in the area um, was Funny Girl. Oh. I really wanted to do that show and you know, I don't precast, but <laughs> I <laughs> I said, wow, Amy would be really good for this role. Well, Amy would have to uh, get a little younger and drop a few pounds, but that would be I would work on it. <laughs> well, we, have an Alta. we can find the right foundation right? And to go. I'll go back and see Amanda. I saw her today at Alta. Shout yeah, out to so those were my those were my um, I don't know, those are my people. Although I also think I would want to add in Somebody funny. I don't know who for sure. I feel like I, you know, I didn't discover that I could be funny until much later in life. You have kind of like a Carol Burnett humor about you. Yeah, I'm a sometimes. little snarkier, I feel like. A little, yeah. I'm a little, um... You're, you're kind of like the Brainerd Lakes area Amy Schumer. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. A little. I'm not quite as vulgar as her. Yeah, or, you're uh, just a good balance. You're like, the, little... like if Amy Schumer was a mom and like... Yeah. Went to PTA meetings. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know exactly who I am, but I if I didn't discover. People tell me all the time I'm funny. I I'm, I don't I don't always find myself funny. I just say what I say, and then and then I have people go, "You're so funny." <laughs> so I don't know. I know it happens to me. I'm just like I didn't, I'm just talking. Okay, I know, right? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. And I didn't know that I could do a comedy role. They scared the hell out of me when I first started doing theater. Like, I mm -hmm. was like, I am not funny. I can't do funny roles. So I think that's why I was so drawn to the drama roles. Sure. You know, that whole... Those are the ones that freak me right out. Yeah. And so I'm still kind of drawn to those roles. Although, I love a funny role. Mm -hmm. I love doing the... I love being the funny person on the stage. So I don't have a. I don't have an issue with that either. I do too. But, yeah. I... Uh... So I don't know. I don't know. It's, I didn't really answer your smoothie question very well. But no, I guess... it went great. It went great. And you know, the funny thing about our conversation is I was just going to be like, well, no, it's time to talk about the episode topic. But we've literally been doing that the whole time. Right, I know. Sorry. Like, we've just been interjecting. And I'm it's... sort of a, I sort of go on a little I bit. I know. I told Laura, I'm like, listen, if we if we interview Amy, it's literally just going to be a conversation. There will be no rhyme or reason to this. Yeah, no, and it's also, it's not even really a conversation. It's just sort of like, I'll just turn on the mic and say go, and she'll just take it from there. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I'm not usually ever at a loss for words. But, I mean, we didn't, we didn't really touch a whole lot on, like, you as a dance instructor we mentioned in the beginning as yeah, like I've been music doing that for general. a long time I'll try to keep it brief because I know we're going long but I, um I started when I was well, I was in dance team when I was in high school but and I and I was the captain at 
you know, started in ninth grade when they didn't really take ninth graders, but they took a group of us that, I don't know, was magic gear, I don't know. At any rate, I started there and then I felt like I was a really good dancer because, you know, I was, they, I was kind of a superstar on the line fairly early, mm -hmm. you know, and then, um, and then I didn't, I only did that for a couple of years and then it just, you know, some things happened and I just, it, it wasn't working for me and, and it wasn't ever really what I wanted. I always wanted to do the, the Broadway dancing and that sort of thing. And then, um, somewhere in the early nineties, Paula Abdul did, um, her, released her first song and she tap dance, at, tap dances at the beginning of her video. And I was enchanted. The minute I saw that, I was like, I have got to learn how to do that. And incidentally, I tweeted Paula Abdul that her very first video was what inspired me to tap dance. And she tweeted back to me. <gasps> oh, yes. Shut up. Not lying. Paula Abdul tweeted back to me. But at any rate, that's what inspired me to, to learn to tap dance. So I went to Music General, the only place I knew to tap dance. I was almost 19. And I signed up to take a lesson. And Sue, the owner, um, saw potential in me and said, ooh, I would love to give you private lessons. I have another tap dancer who's mm -hmm. been doing this for a few years and I would love for um, you to do duets with her. And I was like, okay, great. And I took like two lessons and I was like, this is hard and I'm stupid. I can't do this. So I quit, but she asked me to stay and help teach jazz. So I stayed and helped her teach her jazz classes and I sort of learned a little bit by osmosis. I started watching all of her tap classes, you know, waiting for her to switch over to jazz. And the more I watched, the more it started to make sense. And once it started to make sense and that foundation was there, then I started to get up and try this, try to do the steps. And, mm -hmm. and then I, I don't know, I, I, it all kind of literally happened like that. Like just sort of, I just sort of eased into it. And, and yeah, so I started right around 18 or 19 learning to tap dance and that I've just been doing it ever since and it's something that's always kind of fascinated me my my friend Janae um I sent her the little video that right. I sent you of me tap dancing and she wrote right back and she was like I have always wanted to learn to tap dance she's like I'm so jealous and I'm like you know it's the shoes that I bought are very helpful because yes. the shoes I, I was told you wearing, they would be. yeah, like even because I had taken those classes with you and I was like, right. I should be able to do this, and I'm like, right. and I just can't get the movements right. Yeah, you have to have the shoes. And once I put those shoes on, I mean, mm -hmm. I was trying to do that crossing over Broadway, Shirley Temple, yep. whatever you want to call it, you know, with those dress shoes that yeah, had taps just... on them, and it wasn't happening. No. I put those on. Yeah. The first time I did it, I was even like, okay, it wasn't great. Yeah. But I did it all. Right. <laughs> well, that's because of the placement of a of a tap shoe and the construction of it. You have, mm -hmm. they, you know, it's where the it's where the tap hits the ball of your foot because that's where you're, you know, that's what's making those sounds. Right. So, yeah, and where your weight is placed and all that. Once you get tap once you get the basics and once you learn to change weight. That's always the hardest thing about learning tap dance is how to change weight, how to 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 literally move from one foot to the other and where to place your body weight. Once you learn that and get the foundation, everything builds from the same you know, dozen steps, you know, you, you just mm -hmm. keep adding on and it's like, 
building something with Legos. You start with very something very basic and you just keep adding on and it gets bigger and more complicated. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, so I, I came to really love tap. And I, I teach all of it, you know, I mean, I teach tap, jazz, ballet. I'm not super well-versed in ballet. I can teach it to younger people and to people who are ultimate beginners. I, I can recognize correct form in other people. I can, you know, all of that. But I, you know, like, I'm not, I, I can't even teach it to the, to the level that, like, Sylvie can teach. And I've been teaching longer than Sylvia, but she's taken more ballet than I've taken. Sure. So, you know, I can watch her do a variation and go, hmm. You didn't do that Sotobosque right or whatever, or you maybe need to turn out more here. But I couldn't, I, I couldn't put that to a bar warm up. I don't know what I, you know. Sure. I would have to actually really research and really get with a ballet instructor and go, okay, so. <laughs> right. You know, so I don't, I don't try to teach ballet. I teach it in a very rudimentary way to the kids in my classes, as it applies to jazz. So if they want ballet, ballet, they have to get it from our other teacher, Miss Carrie, who is our ballet teacher and who has a f strong foundation in ballet. Or if somebody like Sylvia, who also has a strong... Because I, it wasn't available to me. So right. I feel very um, I feel very strongly about teaching a, a discipline that you've never taken. That mm -hmm. if, you're, if, you're, if you're teaching ballet and you aren't a trained ballet, haven't trained in ballet for a number of years, you shouldn't be teaching ballet. Right. So I don't call myself a ballet teacher. I, like I said, I'm, it's very rudimentary. All five positions, plies, tendus, fondues, degages, those are all very basic steps. Port de bras, I can do all of those. But when we're coming to across the floor variations or center or even a more complex bar, mm -mm, nope, count me out. I will, mm -hmm. I will defer to a, a teacher that knows what's going on. Because you, when you try to just... And I could get on YouTube and look at things, but I, I'm very, um, very much opposed to that because you, you, anybody can put anything out there and you can teach bad habits. And I, you know, I don't want to be responsible for teaching somebody a bad habit. I don't. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that, you know, I think that's the important thing about teachers in general. Yeah. Everybody's got to start somewhere. But the thing with teaching dance for me personally is that anybody can call themselves a dance teacher. Like any, but you don't have, there's no certification. There's no licensure. There's no, you don't have to, anybody could put out a shingle and say, hey, I'm a dance teacher now. Mm -hmm. I watched a few dance videos. I'm a dance teacher. And, and that happens. And I, and I don't, everybody's got to start somewhere, but I, I feel like it's a disservice to call yourself that when you've not done it, when you've not been a dancer for a number of years and had the proper training, especially ballet, because ballet can be dangerous. Well, I think it's huge that you can, you know, recognize that of your own knowledge and say, you know what, for you to have the best experience, you need to go. We need to go talk yeah, to this yeah, lady yeah. over here. Yeah, she's going to give you the knowledge you need. Yeah, you want to talk about this, this, and this. Yeah, come right on back. I'm I'm good to go in tap. I'm good to go in jazz. I'm pretty good to go even in lyrical and contemporary, but. You know, I've had a lot of training. I've taken a lot of classes, and I've been doing it for a lot of years. But I ballet, I, I you know, even when I choreographed ballet variations for Beauty and the Beast, I ran them by our ballet instructor. Mm. I was like, okay, so I gotta. This is what I'm thinking, but I don't know if this is correct, or you know, I'm like, I don't want to 
because you don't know who's in your audience, and I don't want to be sitting in the audience and have an actual ballet right. teacher come up from the Twin Cities and be like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's, well, you had people like Abby Oldham, who was part of those yes. choreographies, who has taken that from the time she was little. Right. You know? Right. And then it's like, okay... You don't want to... Yeah. She's kind of a yeah. known ballerina in the area. You don't want to really so, yeah. make her look different. So I've been do- teaching a long time, but I, you know, my, my, my genres are tap, jazz, lyrical, contemporary. Those are, those are where I feel strong, comfortable, I, knowledgeable, paid my dues, done the, done all of those styles as a student and as a teacher and feel comfortable. I could probably do hip hop, but really nobody wants to see that. I could just see you and me in a hip hop. Well, I was class. really so good cool. at hip hop. I was, I was honestly, I was honestly really, really good at hip hop when I was in my twenties. But you know, when you get in your forties, I'm almost fifty. Nobody really wants to see that. It shouldn't be hip hop dance. It's anymore. really mm, nobody wants to see anybody my age hip or hop. So that's hilarious. Yeah, I don't. Well, if you're ever interested in any of the other styles of dance, head on down to Music General. Yeah, and see come on Amy down. Marsh. I teach all all ages. I've got little bitty. Tiny Tots, all the way up to I have an adult class that will start back in April. She taught me, or at least attempted. Well, you know, you can come back. I can bring it on back. You should bring it on back. I can bring it on back. My my second mother, Linda Eno, has told me that she thinks tap dance would be a great form of exercise for me. It is a great form of exercise, and it's not... It's it's good because it does burn a lot of calories, but you are having so much fun you're not it's you're it's, realizing you're yeah. doing it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Not That's like what the, I need. Yeah, it's not like the oh my god, why am I doing this kind mm-hmm. of exercise. It's like working out in your living room, just some lady oh. yelling at you through the TV. Right, Jillian Stumbers. Michaels, what a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. She's so mean. Oh. She's so, I mean, she got nicer all of a sudden for some reason. I don't oh. know. Somebody told her to turn it down. I but. have her DVD and I worked out to it for a long time, but I was like, I mother effing hate you. <laughs> she's, she's not my favorite person. Not my favorite. Well, we have one final question for you. Okay. We ask it to everybody, much like everything else that we do, but, you know, we're just getting started. Yeah. So, we, what would be, to the people listening... I mean, you've heard some of the answers mm-hmm. to this question. What would be your final word to our audience that might be listening to this episode today? I mean, you can take it to words of wisdom, inspiration. Well, I mean, you know, I I think that my my final word would be a couple words. Thank you for supporting theater in this area, and and if you don't yet, please do. I I think that this community is so so ripe with talent and there are so many many wonderful opportunities to see some really fun entertaining works right here on our stage um i guess i'm gonna plug the voting for the referendum because this community can and needs a new theater mm-hmm. they we need it and the this community will be better for it if we can get it. And it isn't just because I love theater and because I want to place. I mean, we have theaters. Pequot's a beautiful theater. CLC is a nice enough theater. Black Box is a nice theater, and it's going under a renovation. So we have spots. But the thing is, is all of those spots have some very, very significant limitations. Tornstrom has no wings, no backstage. It's this giant auditorium, terrible acoustics. It's very, very difficult to do anything there, and it's very, very difficult to bring things in. This community 
between Brainerd, Pequot, Staples, Crosby, all of that, this community would so support a theater that could bring in tours, that could really do some shows that we can't do because we just don't have mm -hmm. the right facility for it. I think that this community would see a resurgence of, of theater because really, um, prior to Dennis coming, that, um, and I'm just saying that just because that was just the really the heyday of it, um, this community bust people in from Minneapolis. We had paid equity actors that came here and worked kind of off the books because they wanted to be part of the theater experience in this community. We had the, the man that used to do sets before Dennis was hired by the Sydney Opera House. He was going to be their set director and then the Opera House uh, filed bankruptcy or something. They went through a financial thing and that all fell through and he came back. But there were, it was a, it was as good as Chanhassen. It was, it sold as well as Chanhassen. We had season ticket holders that bought season tickets to the whole summer and season tickets to the winter productions. And we never, you know, I mean, it was, it was crazy. And it all just sort of fell away. You know, it all, it all sort of died for a period of time. And, and I so respect and appreciate Patrick for what he is trying to do to bring that back to our area, to bring in shows. And, and Glapa does it too. Glapa does it too. I shouldn't, I don't want to leave them out of it. But I, you know, I know Patrick is actively trying to get people to vote for this, to, to support this in this community. And I, that is, would be my parting word is to please consider supporting this because this provides more than people know for, for people that are troubled youth, people that are, you know, have problems in their own personal life. This is an escape. This saved my life, no question. No question, and I know it has saved other people's lives, and and it makes our community better. It just it makes our community better. You know, you don't have to go see every play. You can just vote for this. Vote for this referendum to get this done, to get this, get our school updated, and get a theater complex where where the kids at the high school will have a place to do this. Because right now, the little theater, there's that is like doing theater on a postage stamp. They've got nothing yeah. to work with. And Tornstrom, same deal. You know, we do our recital there every year, and it is nightmarish to try to get on and off that stage. There are two entrances, and they're doorways. You can't move sets. You can't, you know, and then they got that big piano box in the corner, so you don't even have a full stage. And mm -hmm. this yeah. community needs it. Yeah. It really does need it. I would so. agree, and I think we do have the, you know, the clientele, quote unquote, here that would definitely Absolutely. support it. I mean, I'm as one of the house managers. I go to those events at the Tornstrom Auditorium. You know, mm -hmm. some of those, like when the fabulous Armentillos come back to town, there's a 900 seat auditorium that's going to be completely sold out. Yeah, because people just love going to those kinds yeah. of things. I, I mean, mean, we really have a community that I think would support it, but I don't think the community understands how difficult it is for us to bring these things here for Patrick and for Glapa even to bring things like that here. And Galapagos challenges that it's way up in Pequot. Mm -hmm. And Pequot is a fantastic community because it does support their theater so, so wonderfully. Um, but 
we don't get a lot of crossover audience as much as you would think. Mm-hmm. Because when, when Pequot was going under its renovation, we had to do a, a Galapa show, at a couple of them, at CLC. And they didn't have the same audience. They didn't have the same draw because those Pequot people don't always want to drive into Brainerd. Right. So, you know, I, I support support the program. That's yeah. my parting word. It'd be so huge for the school. I was part of a little bit of a part of like the rehearsal process for like the Brainerd Kids one mm-hmm. act. You know, I saw them do Snow White in that theater and it was oh, like Carla's working so hard to bring that back. Oh my gosh. But she it's, doesn't have much to work with in terms of a, of a space. Oh it's, yeah, she's doing the best that she can with what yeah, she's it's got. It's really difficult. But I was talking about, you know, in a past episode, those kids are so dedicated. Mm-hmm. To what they're doing. I mean, you can relate to even back when we were doing Legally Blonde. Yeah. Like, the attention span of the people when you were doing notes. Yeah. I was invited in for one rehearsal to kind of, you know, give some notes and ideas and whatever. Every person's eyes were directly on me. Yeah. For they were hanging on to every word that I was saying because really they think, care so much. Yeah, and they I really think that so the kids, kids especially in this area, are really hungry for it. They mm-hmm. really want the opportunity. And it, and they don't always get it at Galapa or CLC because those are community theater programs. And, you know, a lot of those plays are adults. They call for adults to be cast. And when you have a... If they had a space at the school where they could do those adult plays but cast all students in them as the adults you, you really need that space for them you really do and I, I and and it would be nice because it could serve a double purpose you know we could bring tours in we could bring plays here we could bring you know more mm-hmm. musical acts we could bring dance troops we could you know there there are all kinds of things that we could bring in so that is my parting word please 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 support the theater and the arts in this community vote for the referendum vote in favor of it it is not going to mean a whole lot of money per year for every family it really is not and the returns that the community will see will be huge Mm-hmm. They will be huge because it will give so many kids who need it the direction. And like I said, I believe with my whole heart, theater saved my life. No question about it. Absolutely saved my life. And I know it's done it for other kids. I, I watched it do that for other kids. I have watched it. So, yeah. Absolutely. My parting words. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank I know you. it's a little different. I'm sorry Laura couldn't join us. It is okay. I missed her, but it was I get it. The mommy thing, that is a that's a that's a Big serious job. gig. She is now playing the role of mother. It is, it is and that's a, the biggest role she'll ever play in her life. It is a serious, serious gig. <laughs> no question. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are gonna be taking Um, You know, a little bit of a different kind of spin with the podcast for the next few episodes. We're going to be doing some actual, um, what we're calling some theater reflections. We're going to be doing reviews of a couple of productions that just kind of wrapped in the area. We're going to be talking to some local actors from the production of And Then There Were None. And we're also going to be talking to a few of the ladies from Five Women Wearing the Same Dress that just wrapped up their run. Wasn't that great? Yes. Speaking of people eating on stage, kudos to Stephanie White. (laughs) Bacon wrap jobbies. Seriously. All the time. 
She and killed I was actually, I went home and ate something with bacon in it because I was like, that looks really good. <laughs> I know. I was a little hungry during the show, too. I was all like, I'm just right here. You could. I know. They're talking about McDonald's and eating bacon. I'm like, you guys are awful. Oh, I have to go grocery shopping now and I'm starving. You never want to grocery shop. <laughs> here I go. Well, you guys, thanks. We'll see you again next week.